from the ANA Brand Activation Marketing Conference in Orlando, Florida, Marketing Futures Podcast is proud to present the future of brand activation. This five-part mini-series will share the stories of brands who are innovating in key elements of brand activation, including content marketing, influencer marketing, commerce marketing, and more. Our guest this week is Joel Walker, Group Creative Director at Blue Chip Marketing. Joel is no stranger to activating brands, both in-store and online, and he shared some of the ways Blue Chip is partnering with challenger brands and category leaders alike to drive growth through innovation. Joel spoke with our host, Charles Cantu of Reset Digital, about what he looks for in a new hire, and shared the one trend he thinks is about to change the game. So Joel, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself first, your journey, yeah. um, media director, Blue Chip, and then also, you know, please tell us a little bit about Blue Chip and what you guys do there. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, so my journey is like, it's weird to talk about because I'm sort of still on it, right? I, mm -hmm. I started at Blue Chip right out of school 15 years ago. And we were a relatively small shop back then, mm -hmm. like 15 people, yep. and I started in, in, in the account service capacity, mm -hmm. and, uh, but you know, loved creative and had a creative internship right before I started where I wrote a lot of copy. Mm -hmm. And I just was like, hey, if you guys need any creative help too, I'm happy to help. And at the time, being only 15 people, it was like, absolutely, like, uh, whatever you can do, you know. Here, yep. and, you know, before too long, I started to see the trend of more and more creative projects and less and less like, client service. I think Blue Chip's always been that kind of place where mm -hmm. you can step in and really make a difference mm -hmm. and enact change. And even, you know, now that we've grown to upwards of like 120, 130 people, we still have that same sense of empowerment that comes in with every new employee and, and the opportunity to, to make a difference. Is, is still very much a part of our DNA. So that's why I like to think, you know, I'm still sort of on that journey. I played, yep. I wore the account hat, played around in media for a little while, what a disaster. Then <laughs> I, I shifted officially and completely over to creative and now as a group creative director, you know, manage a, a department of, of 30 plus people. So it's one of the great fortunes in my life. That's fantastic. We're at the brand activation conference at the ANA, so tell us a little bit about brand activation. You've got a few stories. Um, one in, in particular, Fisher Nuts, kind of stood out, so why don't you tell us a little bit about sure, you know, sure. that. Sure, um, sure. Well, you know, at Blue Chip, we're very results-oriented mm -hmm. agency. Entrepreneurial in spirit, because we're fiercely, you know, independent as an agency, and therefore, you know, when when results are sort of your nexus point, mm -hmm. you're, you're constantly focused on the right not just the right ways to activate ideas, but how are those uh, ways you're going to activate directly going to tie to a sales story or a results story mm. or a, an, an influence story. So mm -hmm. it's very much a part of how that agency looks at a project from the outset. Yep. So Fisher was an example where, you know, we had a challenger brand in Fisher baking nuts, where it was just sleepy. It was just a sleepy, sleepy category. Yep. There was not much action. You know, Diamond was was the the share leader, but even they weren't really doing anything because mm -hmm. you know at the end of the day, baking nuts 
they're just raw nuts in a bag, and they're just going to go into your brownie, into your pecan pie, mm -hmm. and that's about it. It's sort of was sort of the mindset back then. Sure. But Howard Brandeisky from JBSS, uh, John B. Sanfilippo and Son, who owns Fisher Nuts, he recognized an opportunity, saw white space that nobody else really, really could. Mm -hmm. And um, while he was so far behind in SharePoints, it didn't matter. He saw a way to innovate that category, and it was with something really super simple and, and seemingly basic yep. in uh, stand-up resealable packaging. If you looked at the baking aisle about eight to ten years ago, and just be like bags that sort of lay down. Yeah. They've got a little bit of iconography on the sides of the bag so you can see what brand you were looking at. But really, like you were just grabbing a bag of almonds. You were just grabbing a bag of pecans. It's like it did not matter. Mm. All of a sudden showing, you know, a stand-up bag mm -hmm. and a bag that could reseal you're starting to develop a little bit more of a story, not just for the retailer who was really excited about brightening up their shelf space, yep. but shoppers were sort of delighted by it too. All of mm. a sudden they had, they were able to see inside the bag. They were able to connect this, this idea of freshness to the resealable nature of the package. So the idea of your making nuts going rancid over time is just obviously a very negative attribute. So it was it was all of a sudden th these new kinds of things to talk about, mm -hmm. let's get a conversation going, and then all of a sudden you've got a, you've got innovation on your hands. And, mm -hmm. and uh, it's not shiny, it's not sleek, it's not tech, yep. but it's innovative and it's Amen. different. Yep. And it gave us a permission to talk about something new. Can you also just maybe take us through the, the challenge, the actual challenge that they presented with you and kind of the process, what that was like? Um, you know, sure. Because that, that might be helpful to the listeners and traveling on that journey with you. Absolutely. So the challenge was how many share points they were behind and whether okay. or not they should even keep this brand alive. Right. They, you know, Howard was brought in, admittedly, I think, to sort of shake up the snack category for them. Mm -hmm. And he, you know, has since done so. But... Like I said, he saw that opportunity in baking nuts, and with the bag came a new sense of inspiration for us to sort of like, okay, well, what does this conversation mean? Okay, we stand up bag, resealable, resealable. Okay, like that's, that's that connotes freshness. Yep. Freshness connotes, you know, in the marketing context, something new. Yep. And this idea of a fresh twist or putting a fresh twist on yep. your recipes was sort of like where we took that brand story. So we took it from a very functional attribute-based level mm -hmm. of this resealable package into this this conversation about freshness. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden it was like, these nuts don't have to be just confined to like brownies, pecan pies, and some of those dishes that I talked about before. Like they don't have to be just baking nuts. They can right. be recipe nuts. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden that opened up a, a, a new a new door for us because as you'll remember, like around that time there was a huge cultural resurgence in culinary curiosity. Yep. Right? Like the amount of TV programming that was just, you know, mm -hmm. making its way through people's televisions, inspiring people, like whether it's Top Chef mm -hmm. or shows like Chopped on the Food Network. And people were consuming content about food as much as they were consuming food That's and right. getting inspired themselves 
to try s new things in the, in the kitchen. And, um, yeah, my favorite was Food Network at the gym. I never understood that. Totally, <laughs> totally. There's I'm so on many. a diet, right. but you got me watching everything I want to eat. I appreciate that. <laughs> right, right. So, so all of a sudden, you know, we're tapping into that, you know, zeitgeist and, yep. and what people are talking about and how mm -hmm. people are engaging with food. And we also, like, sort of tapped into this, this insight that people... Uh, when it comes to food, it's already a joyous thing, getting together, enjoying a delicious meal, 100%. Mm -hmm. But like, when All it cultures, comes to yeah. like making food and creating food, there's almost like no greater joy than making something that's truly delicious. Mm -hmm. And then tapping on that, the ability or the chance to share that and have someone else experience it in the same yeah. way that you did. So that was an essential part of our campaign was like sort of tapping into that joy and, mm -hmm. and moving up the uh, benefit ladder to a more emotional benefit mm -hmm. of joy as it pertained to, you know, uh, how you could use these nuts and how you could, you know, inspire new kinds of dishes. So we took that insight and that, that idea and we developed the, you know, Live Life Unshelled campaign uh -huh. for Fisher because yep. people are hesitant to try new things in the kitchen and explore, huh. but recipes don't have to be rules, you know? Right. Like there's, there's a way for you to make it your own. There's a way for you to add that fresh twist that I was talking about mm -hmm. and uh, come out of your shell. Uh, so uh, that's that's where we where we ended up with the campaign, but we needed the right outlet to spread that message, to have that conversation. Right. So we needed to go to where people were already engaging in that conversation. Mm -hmm. uh, for you, it was at the gym, apparently. Yeah. But it was uh, you know finding the right partner to to share that conversation with or to lead that conversation for us, and it was the Food Network. They, yeah. were, they just ended up being the perfect media partner for us, and they truly treated us and we treated them like partners. It was a reciprocal relationship in terms of its like collaborative nature. And uh, ultimately, we got the uh, great fortune of working with Alex Garnaschelli, who was a rising star at the time in the New York yep. food scene, and just on the precipice of uh, winning Iron Chef on, uh, on Food Network. So we, we were able to um, leverage her personality mm and her talent and a lot of the communications that, w that we had. Things that came in the form of your traditional media partnerships type stuff, like on-air vignettes mm -hmm. uh, that appear in between you know, bits of programming that feel a little bit like native content to, to everything that you're watching, yep. you know, recipe-oriented mm -hmm. content, but still very much an ad for Fisher. Yep. And we've been able to evolve those over the years to your standard print work but from there it sort of truly evolved to to places that I don't think Food Network even thought of as a way to to, to run their media and a lot of that was you know just brought on by like the, the shifting trends mm -hmm. in media and like sure. the, the role of social the mm -hmm. role of Alex and, and her social properties I mean she's just as engaged whenever we connect with her whenever we're shooting something with her She's always volunteering, like, hey, do you want me to post, you know, a few more posts on my Instagram? I, I'm, I'm cool with it. And it's not on your traditional menu of options that you, that you typically get right. with a media partner like that. So we were able to, to all of a sudden expand what we were doing with them. And then huh. the, the print work started to evolve to, like, fold-out, die-cut recipe cards that you can tear out, pin codes that drive you directly, you and the shopper, directly to uh, Food Network's uh, Pinterest page to get more recipe inspiration. 
And uh, here, here, before you know it, Fisher, in, in the context of recipe nuts, was was really small at the time. Like I said, had this feeling of getting to the big leagues. You know, nice. they're on Food Network. Alex yep. Gardashelli's talking about them on the air. Mm-hmm. She's talking about them in its in her social uh, outlets. She's talking about them in her restaurants. It's it's uh, it was a big deal. Influencer marketing is projected to be a $101 billion industry by 2020. Yet influencer marketing operates within a complex, rapidly evolving ecosystem with rising levels of fraud. The ANA's 2019 Influencer Marketing Guide is your trusted source for everything you need to navigate influencer marketing. From brand case studies to expert perspectives on hot-button issues and metrics for influencer compensation and standard engagement rates. Visit ana.net backslash influencer marketing today and click the playbooks and guides icon to download your free influencer marketing playbook and guide exclusively for ANA members. So what, you know, lessons learned, but what were the results? So did they did they move the needle on the, oh, on the, on the rate? 20, only 24 share points wow. <laughs> total. That's um, pretty fantastic. Yeah, yeah. so uh, took over category leadership. And this was eight years ago, so I think they took over category leadership about two, three, four years into the into the campaign. And then we've just been able to continue to, to leverage it to find new ways to reach consumers, influencer programs, mm-hmm. our own social media, mm-hmm. and content creation in-house at Blue Chip, and uh, truly unite that attribute that started with that bag and that idea of, of not just you know consumers or shoppers coming out of their shell, but mm-hmm. but the brand itself yep. sort of coming out of its shell a little bit and trying something new. So there's a nice synergy there and a, and a great story. So one thing that, that takes people out of their shell obviously is alcohol, and you've got yeah. some experience with Brown Foreman, aka Jack Daniels. Yeah. Um, Talk to us a little bit about, I used to be a big whiskey lover when, when I used to drink. I don't drink anymore. But um, Jack Daniels is a staple. So let's talk yeah. about how do you innovate on something that, that is just so tried and true. Totally. And, and in such a complex category. Right. right? But we needed, we needed a way to educate and inspire an aisle because... You know, like the the food context mm-hmm. in the case of Fisher, people are leaning in more than ever mm-hmm. into sort of alcohol spirits in general, mixed cocktails, entertaining. The list Micro goes batches, on, right? The whole thing, exactly. Yep. So people are leaning in; they want to learn more. So it was a far cry from the raw nuts issue with like the, <laughs> right. the, the, the baking aisle. I was like, uh, this is lazy. It's way more excitement in the alcohol aisle, but, but very complex. Mm-hmm. So buying the right whiskey is stressful nowadays. It feels mm-hmm. like, like you don't want to show up with the wrong bottle in hand, you know? So whether it be for yourself or, or as a gift. Too peaty, too smoky, like you, you right. don't want to be that guy. Right, so you okay. want to know, know a little <laughs> bit of everything. So the chatbot that we created for this program straight from the distillery was it helps shoppers pare down the overwhelming amount of options. Mm-hmm. And in this case, we use Facebook Messenger. Okay. And it started with a scan of a code mm-hmm. featured in some in-store POS. And then that introduced shoppers to the Whiskey Whisperer. as a <laughs> Sherpa of sorts for spirits education and cocktail inspiration. Mm-hmm. So uh, as is the case for all chatbots, chat you have to create this intricate map uh, decision tree 
if mm -hmm. you will, that tracks with various responses and interest paths of mm -hmm. the user. It's very much um, like a choose your own adventure game to design. Right? Totally. Yeah. So like if they have this kind of answer, it directs yeah. them here. Uh, you know, I'm looking for recipes, or I'm looking for taste profiles, or whatever. Mm -hmm. And uh, it unlocked this evergreen library of content and assets that we created from, you know, like I said, flavor profiles, recipes, pairings, and, and et cetera, et cetera. And suddenly, that shelf space that feels so limited, because mm -hmm. you're seeing, you know, like bottle after bottle after bottle, and what's the difference between this whiskey, that whiskey, blah, 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 blah. It, it all of a sudden made our shelf space not so limited. Mm -hmm. you know? Talk to us about impact. How did that? How did that affect? Yeah, from from the per perspective of just engagement. Yep. Unprecedented numbers in terms of new usership to mm -hmm. not just that platform, but the straight from the distillery Facebook page where we housed the chatbot. It was. It got more engagement, more conversations. Like I said, and it wasn't just like people asked the first question mm -hmm. and then got their answer and then you know left once they figured out, okay, I like that cocktail. Like, they, they were like, oh, well, that cocktail sounds good. I'm going to go back in and, you know, sort yep. of find another one. What else can and I do? And the duration yeah. of those conversations was, uh, you know, in our minds at this point, a huge benchmark for success. Which trends are you particularly interested in or looking at or following now? What's, what's yeah. most fasc fascinating to you? I think the resurgence of voice. Uh, as a mm -hmm. powerful branding tool yep. uh, is is so exciting right now, so imperative, uh, and that's from you know voice assistant technology yep. to podcasts mm -hmm. like this one to even radio is not dead. You know, like Never radio was. is very yep. very much a thriving opportunity for any one of our clients yep. and a way to connect with consumers. And like we put a lot of emphasis on our uh, tone of voice work in terms mm -hmm. of our like brand foundation work that we do at Blue Chip and tone of voice is so is such a specific part of that, and it mm -hmm. can't just be a couple of words. I mean, I'm sure every Everyone's familiar with the, you know, traditional brand archetypes model, mm -hmm. um, and it's more. I wouldn't relevant. assume that. I think this that our category, quite frankly, has forgotten more than we remember right, right at this right. point because of all the innovation. That's yeah, happened. I mean, in in those those kinds of uh, of models, uh, you know, figuring out if you're the outlaw, or the yep. magician, or what have you, mm -hmm. is more important than ever because you actually finally have the opportunity to establish that voice. Mm -hmm. in ways other than television and other than you know radio traditional radio if you will voice is just it's it's just a big part of how brands need to connect with with consumers and uh, so that's that's a trend I am I'm looking at more broadly now with mm -hmm. our media team in-house yeah I love that as an ex-radio guy I love that yeah um, well there are a few questions that I tend to ask everybody mm -hmm. um, First is, we'd love to get your, your thoughts and opinions on diversity and inclusion. It's a hot topic. Absolutely. Um, and everywhere I go, you know, I, I, I notice the numbers in the room, and I know people are trying to do things about it. But what do, you, what, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, just on a professional level, or personal level, rather, um, you know, as a creative leader, there are, like, four unique qualities that I always try to look for in, uh, you know, a new team member. Mm -hmm. And that's kindness, talent, empathy, and curiosity, in that order, basically. And if you think about it, diversity and inclusion, at the very least, is at the center of at least three of those. If you look at it in reverse order, it's like a curious culture breeds 
empathy, understanding, and connection. Empathy, uh, more often than not, nurtures kindness. Mm. And then, you know, kindness obviously is, is sort of just the end benefit of, of a professional relationship. So the way I think of it in that equation is that diversity and inclusion are as essential as any to building the right organization, mm-hmm. the right culture, the right creative department, whatever. Like, and I think all agencies have room to grow mm-hmm. in that and a lot to learn, but that's certainly something that's that's reinforced at, at Blue Chip. And at Blue Chip specifically, you know, I have the privilege of working with a lot of smart, brilliant women mm-hmm. and really senior high-level roles at the agency. And, you know, obviously we focus on shoppers in, mm-hmm. our, in a lot of our work. Yep. And shoppers are, are, you know, typically still the, the women of the household. And to have the brilliance that we do at the helm at Blue Chip with the women in leadership roles, we know we always are, are able to tap into the right voice. We're able to, to tap into the right insights when talking to that, to that shopper. So we're very fortunate to have that at BC in particular. But then beyond that, I think our culture at large, not just the marketing industry, but nationally and globally, so desperately needs to embrace uh, the benefits and essential necessity of diversity and inclusion. And, yep. and inclusion, you know, America is currently 40% non-white. And, you know, by like 2040, it'll yep. be a minority majority uh, culture or country. So you do start to see that in, in marketing efforts, mm-hmm. you know, the rise of stories about the perspectives of, of women, mm-hmm. uh, minorities, size positivity, LGBTQ. There's just a growing and emerging amount of content and brands trying to tap in and reach that consumer. Yep. Um, I know we're trying to, to, we're on the precipice of doing that for another Brown Foreman client, Chambord. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm and celebrating Pride Week with that brand. So we're very fortunate to, to be at the center of that conversation in that regard. Mm-hmm. But then you gotta, t- you gotta look at you know, the proliferation of streaming services like Netflix and Hulu that you know, have so much content that doesn't have to be one size fits all anymore. Right. You know, you have shows about Indian Americans like Masters of None, mm-hmm. or uh, this new show, new show on Hulu that I absolutely adore called Rami. Uh, it's about an Egyptian American uh, millennial man whose Muslim faith mm-hmm. is at the sort of center of all of his uh, of all of the stories of, of each and every episode. But he's still telling very relatable yeah. millennial stories and, and trials and tribulations. And but but through that lens mm-hmm. of the Muslim faith, and Hulu's on a run right now with some really excellent content from Shrill mm-hmm. to Pen Fifteen. Both of those were some of my favorite TV shows of this past year, but Rami takes it to like another level. It's just huh. a really, really brilliant show and just shows that the content's there to learn and be curious mm-hmm. and have empathy and be yeah. kind. Amen. All right, so the hard question, the hardest question <laughs> that you're going to get today. Favorite album of all time. Wow. Mm-hmm. So I, I've got to go with like just personal experience, of course. It's like, what is your favorite album of all time? It's not like, what's the greatest album of all time? But for me, my favorite album of all time is uh, OK Computer by Radiohead. It was, uh, you know, I was in high school when it came out. Very formative time in everyone's mm-hmm. life. And I wish I could pick an album that was less morose 
and sad <laughs> and sort of like challenging to listen to. But I just think, you know, from top to bottom, it's uh, it's exploratory. It sounds timeless, even when I listen to it today. The things they were doing from an instrumentation technology, the, the lyrics are very prescient. <laughs> uh, and it's just a, an album I'll always go back to, and I never tire of listening to, and it's got probably my favorite song of all time, a song called Let Down on mm -hmm. it, and uh, that, I think, sort of tipped it over the scales. Love it. it so. And what are you listening to now, and why? So a lot of stuff, a lot of great music's come out the, this year, man. It's like the new Vampire Weekend album that came out a couple weeks ago is, is outstanding. It's, uh, it's really listenable, really enjoyable, just very positive and optimistic. Um, if I had to pick one artist, one song, is uh, artist name is Tierra Wack. Okay. She's a hip hop artist from Philadelphia. Mm. She's got a song called Only Child that just came out this year. She's dropping a bunch of singles sort of right and left after last year she came out with a concept album, a video concept album, where every song was just a minute long. Hmm. And it's it's an enjoyable 15 minutes, I'll, I'll tell you that. Like the music is so outstanding, but it's so frustrating because you're like, anytime a song ends, you're like, why? Tierra, why? Like that, that I, I was just getting into that. Right. I just vibing to that, what are you doing? Keep going, and, yeah. And, and uh, <laughs> nope. She just said, I'm just creating all these little snippets. And she had a corresponding video that, that, uh, that came out with the album. So you can watch it that way versus listening to it. But I cannot wait for her new album. If Only Child is like what I get when she gives me more than a minute, she gives me up to like three and a half to four. Mm -hmm. Oh, I cannot wait. Because she can, she can do it all. She can rap. She can sing. She's weird. She's funky. She's, um, you know, stylistically, she's really hard to sort of nail down and pinpoint. Mm. And I, I'm, I'm fascinated by artists like that. I think that they are. Uh, if, if you can't be that kind of artist uh, that sort of appeals on all these different senses and styles, then, I don't know, you're missing out. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Marketing Futures Podcast. Got an idea for a future guest or topic? Shoot us a note at marketingfutures at ana.net. Make sure you subscribe to us on the Apple Podcast Network and leave us a review. We'd love to know what you think. Want to learn more about brand activation? Head on over to ana.net slash brand dash activation. And as always, to learn more about the future of marketing, head on over to marketingfutures.ana.net.